From Relay FM, this is the Pen Addict, episode 332. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by Brad Dowdy. Hi, Brad Dowdy. Hello, Mike Hurley. How are and, you today? Oh, I'm great. My voice is a little sore. We'll get to why shortly. And Anna Reinert, welcome back to the show. Hello. Two my, in a row. Wow, my voice is super scratchy. Yes, we're all <laughs> scratchy. This episode is brought to you by Blue Apron. We are recording live from Toronto, Toronto, Canada, on the final stop of the Panatic North American Tour 2018. What a fantastic tour it has been. So we have lots of thanks and we'll get to lots of thanks in the show. But I think first and foremost, we need to thank our Kickstarter backers for making this happen. Yep. You are in for some uh, wonderful video treats that Mr. Hurley has been working on diligently for days. Mm-hmm. And Let's that see. will be out uh, in the near future. It's very so, soon, actually. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm hoping by either the time this episode is released, because we're recording a few days early. Um, or at least by the time episode 333 is up, then the Kickstarter backers should have the video that I've been put together. So we're going to talk about what we've been doing, but I've just been grabbing little video clips. I, I almost think of it like, you know, when somebody would come over to your house with their holiday slides. <laughs> this is how I'm kind of thinking of the video. I've just been taking these like little clips mm. of all the things we've been doing. Most of them is just you two walking into different shops. <laughs> There's Lots like of a lot shots. of those, a lot of just of just the backs of your heads, a very bright blue jacket and bright pink hair, just walking into various stores around uh, North America, the continent of North America. I know we're in Canada right now. I, I feel like I have to make that very clear that I don't think that Canada is in America. Mm-hmm. I know this, but um, <laughs> I, I like to say when everyone was asking me what we was doing, the North American tour, because I was in Chicago before you guys came to meet me in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done a couple of live shows, which has been wonderful. Um, and again, we couldn't have done the tour that I have done without the help of our Kickstarter backers because it helped cover my airfare to get to America and back from Canada. So I want to give an extra special thanks to Panatic listeners who, if you've enjoyed like the Live Connected or the Live Upgrade or the two Live on Genius episodes, that is also because of your generosity that I was able to come out and do this. So Again, thank you so much for your help with all of this stuff. It's it really does mean a lot to us. But let's start. Let's do this chronologically. So we were in New York, and we were always planning on doing our stationary tour. So we were going to go around to different stores in New York and check out the various goods and sundry that were contained within. But we also had the opportunity to do a meetup slash in-store event which i i like that phrase a lot it's like oh i'm doing an in-store event today i love saying those words out loud really, to my wife really it's like what are you doing well we're doing an in-store from <laughs> 6 to 8 p.m it makes you feel super special i'll be at this at the in-store event. us and our two best friends <laughs> so we got to go to the fountain pen hospital um do either of you want to give a bit of a background about the fountain pen hospital like why it is an important store or kind of the significance of it at least um, sure. Well, one, probably one of the biggest things is that Fountain Pen Hospital has actually been in that particular location since 1946. Um, and so they're pretty much an institution yeah. in New York. And the same family has owned the business the entire time. So this is like the second generation that's running Fountain Pen Hospital. So it's the son and grandson or uh. son 
currently it's two sons. Two sons running, are running the show. Yeah, running mm-hmm. the business. Um, from their father who founded it. And, and his his brother. And his brother. And then one of the son's sons is now working there as well. Yeah. So that's three generations. So yeah, three generations. The third has started wow. to work there. So it was... Uh, a really special experience because none of us had been there. Nope. And while we may know the name, we didn't really know the story. And those are the things that always stick with you the most about all this stuff that we do. So going there, number one, knowing its importance in just the history of fountain pens in the U S or even the world. I mean, it's a world worldwide known institution they send their catalogs and mailers all over the world mm-hmm. um have shoppers from all over the world um being able to go and learn from them why they're here and the things that they do and are doing it was more eye-opening than i could have even imagined yeah, in like I, a very positive way i don't know why but i think i had the opinion that it was going to be a very different store offering very different products than what it actually was. I was expecting like cross, like uh, maybe pilot, definitely Mont Blanc, Montegrappa. That's it. Right. And cause I just figured it's probably an executive pen store sells to wall street. That's all it is. But as well as having not only just those, companies also the some of the best displays i've ever seen for those companies in any store and tons of other brands like they had lots of retro 51 they had lots of pilot they had tons of ink like so much ink from everyone that you would expect lots of sailor pens they had they had platinum pens they had everything in there like i was i genuinely surprised at the breadth and depth of the products that they had to offer. It was like walking into a website. Absolutely. And their prices were very competitive. Like absolutely on par with most of the other uh, pen shops that have brick and mortar Mm -hmm. stores. Yeah. So the way the shop was laid out, which, you know, not a lot of us get to experience a brick and mortar store anymore but as you can imagine it's kind of laid out by brand and each brand has its sections yeah and like mike was saying the on top of that they have what is called boutiques within the store so like um mont blanc would take up like i don't know how you would measure whatever unit i'm gonna say but like mont blanc would have four units of space in this wall which is about probably 12, 15 feet long. Like a little corner. Yeah, like a little corner. Then Montegrappa had a space and Aurora had a space. And these are like nice, like what you would think of as like, uh, um, like at, uh, I don't know, like at a huge department store where those people would come built in those areas. Any of these companies' airport stores, it was like miniature versions of all of those. Yeah. Like they were all individually branded and the cases were customized to fit the brand. So it was almost like walking into a pen department store, really, mm-hmm. more than anything else, mm-hmm. which is a super... It was just really interesting mm-hmm. because you know, it was so different to everywhere else we have visited over the last week, which everything else had a style that the store was representing, 
that they put the pens in mm-hmm. where fountain pen hospital was really like a canvas for these companies to work with them to provide branding and materials to create their own little corners of the store and i'm not and i don't necessarily think one is better than the other it was just really interesting to see because i have never seen a pen store like that that offers all of the stuff that i'm interested in usually these things are so specified like so specific um that they offer just like you know just like the stuff that i don't really buy like cross pens right like that's just how it seems to be so i know we were really surprised at how vibrant the place was as well as just you know we had a bunch of incredible people there like a lot of panic listeners that came out and wanted to just hang out with us for a bit it was re- it was a really fun evening yeah so the owner uh steve one of the brothers yep was you know i'd never dealt with him before being there i don't know that any of us had nope. he was number one so excited and open and welcoming and willing to do anything for us but number two was just so excited to show us around. Yeah. He was like it was so, so pumped. His energy was like contagious. And he was like, oh, I'm so glad y'all are here. And, you know, look at the, all these people here. And this is really fun. And come here, let me show you this. Y'all want to go see this? You want, This is what we do. This is why we're here. And hearing all of his stories and just how excited he was, just like show us around. It's like, okay, I get it now. Like this, this store is like way, way important in like the grand scheme of like the fountain pen retail landscape it was it was eye-opening for sure yeah and we, there was a bunch of interesting things that happened we saw a chaos pen so a guy by the name of paul was uh was attending came to, to come to say hi and he had around his neck a chaos pen hmm? i mean look this is not a pen that i want <laughs> but i think i get it now i think i get it like it was very nicely made. It felt really good to hold. And if that is your style, okay. Like it, everything around the pen, the whole marketing was wild. And Camro Industries were there and they wanted the, the distributor because I think it's a Montegrappa pen. Montegrappa, right? yeah. And they were saying that they seen renewed interest in the pen now. Because it's not made anymore. They're done. But apparently they were able to kind of like track down some that were unsold somewhere for some other clients. Because now that video's come out, people want it again. Which I think is kind of hilarious that like it's actually selling the pen again. But, you know, it's not for me. It never would be for me. But I think I have a greater understanding now of why somebody would want to own it. Because it is nicely done. Yeah, I thought it was totally cool. Like... I saw from the moment Paul walked in around his neck, the tip of the chaos, what I thought was a chaos pen sticking out of its little case. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's unmistakable. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, only like about an inch of it was, was poking out the, the case. And like, I was busy, you know, talking to someone else and I saw that and I, I basically like leaned over. It's like, we're going to have to talk in a minute. <laughs> So I'll see I'll see you there. And then by the time I got to him, Mike had already had it out and was taking pictures with it. So it was pretty funny. Did you get a chance to see I the did chaos? Not, yeah. But afterwards Mike pointed out who Paul was. And just seeing him, he's he was the perfect person. Yeah, he said he was had. like, This pen is my style. And he right? totally looked yeah. like the kind and of guy it, who it would was have perfect. it. It was perfect for mm-hmm. him. Um 
we were gifted some Aurora pens. Sheesh. Which was... Everyone's so nice to us in, in a way that I can't fully understand sometimes. Um, but the, the Steve Fountain Pen Hospital, with like, and, and I, I think it was with Ken Rose because well, they put it, yeah. like, the event on together. Yeah. They each gave us... What was the model that we got? It, so it's the Optima with flex yeah so it's the aurora optima flex and so this was the one if anybody remembers that there were a bunch of aurora flex nib pens that came out at the same time in a vast selection of colors it was that edition uh and we all got a different color i got a purple one brad got a gray one and anna got a red one um i'm very excited to try it because i know that you love Aurora's brand, and mm. I haven't really found one that I like yet. Yeah, I do love the color of this one, mm-hmm. so I'm I'm really keen to kind of to ink this one up and give it a give it a good shot. But that was very kind of them to do that. I was completely blown away. Yeah. I mean, I was absolutely speechless, and they were. It was so kind of them to do it, and um, it was after they had completely blown our minds with a a tour of the downstairs they're downstairs yeah it's it was like effectively we were just taken around what is an impossibly large retail space right like in new york and you can tell it's been around for 70 years or whatever because they have so much space and they had a bunch of rooms and in these rooms with these have like high cabinets and these cabinets had all these little drawers in them full of parts for pens i'd never heard of right like which means it's probably some pretty great stuff they had a lot of really amazing vintage parts right i know anna you were very excited about. oh yeah um there were drawers full of vintage parts for everything under the sun there were new old stock parts for parker 51s 41s uh 45s i mean you name it they were in there they were pulling out parts and showing them to us and Brad and I were both losing our minds like (laughs) when they were pulling these like striated bodies for and we were just like seriously like you guys just have these laying around and they're like oh yeah we have hundreds of these and we're like oh oh, oh, my goodness yeah Steve would just like grab a drawer at random and it'd be like 20 Parker dual fold big red barrels just like all brand new oh yeah and like he'd pull one out and it was one of the yellow barrels and he's like oh yeah we have yeah we you know occasionally we'll take these to the DC show and you know we'll put bags of like random parts together and we'll figure out like this one you know maybe we should sell this for a little bit more than you know or we'll do like random parts for fifty dollars and we're like (laughs) (laughs) it was endless like those those cabinets were you know they look like a card catalog at a library um and there it was it was probably hundreds of drawers couple hundred drawers worth of yeah and meticulously organized yes but they they said you know for the most part they don't do any vintage repairs anymore so they really there's no point and them kind of maintaining or organizing you know keeping them so they said you know every year for the dc show they'll they'll sort of randomly select a a group of these and pull them out and put them into to bags and take them to the dc show and um just basically sell them and distribute them to vent to second you know to dealers who do repairs and and stuff but we were just like i can't believe this all still exists and it's all new old stock but it is that thing which is so funny is like these weren't expensive a lot of the, like at the time these weren't necessarily expensive oh, pens, no. Oh, no. right and it's just like holding on to them the value that they have increased by is like exponential and it's so wild to see it. it's like oh we were just keeping drawers of 
stuff, but now each draw is like worth five hundred to a thousand dollars, which is wild. It's just wild to see this kind of stuff. They they just sat on it. They just put them into drawers because they did right, right. and then all this time later. Now it's worth something. Mm-hmm. It yeah, really I mean, is hilarious. He pulled one drawer open and it was all uh, Estabrook nibs, which now for the for them it's awesome because the SD is now something that they can put these to good use. But you know, and they were all still in the little green boxes, and you know, they're like now we're pulling these out and we can actually use these. these yeah, will be useful. They were selling the SD in the Fountain Pen Hospital, and you could choose five vintage nibs in a little package to go with it. It's mm-hmm. like. It's brilliant, brilliant, right? Like it's a brilliant idea because they have it. Not many other places can offer you that in a retail environment, right? Where most places like, oh, you have to go to a pen show and find the vendor who might have a bucket full of these nibs. But this is just like you can pick the sizes, they'll put them in a little bag for you, you get the little adapter and you get to go. So it's really cool. Like this is the difference of a store like that. Yeah, they get to go in the basement and be like, here, let me go in drawer C. (laughs) (laughs) So, but this, again, like this was part one of our New York trip. The second was the next day. We took an entire day, pretty much, to hit as many kind of of the big, fun New York spots as we could. And we started off the day, I think the place that we spent the most time purposefully was at CW Pencils. Um, Now... I have visited the old store and the new store. Anna, you've been to the old store. No, so it nope. was your two both first time to go there, right? First time. So, Anna, what was your impression of CW? It was as magical as I expected. I will say their new location is way better than the original location. Vastly more space. Um, it feels like it's in a neighborhood that has kind of got more around it. Like the old one, it kind of felt like it was in a res- very residential area. Um, and just stuff like that. They've got much bigger windows, so there's a lot more natural light that comes in. Like, it really felt like this location made a lot more sense for them than the previous one. So whilst, from as little as we know, it seemed like it was a stressful time, having to move at, like, very short notice, I think this has probably worked out for the best for them because it's a beautiful store. Yeah, magical is the right word. Like, I... There's a lot of places in, on this trip and a lot of things we've done that I haven't figured out the words for. Magical is a good one. You just walk in and like someone that like me who's been into this type of stationery their entire lives and then to have stores that offer special things like this and then also to know the people behind the store and how great they are. I walk in and I'm just like giddy. I It's just like I can't contain like my giddiness. Um just being in the store and around Caroline and Alex who was there at the store that day and getting to talk to them and seeing what's being built. It was just fascinating to be there. It was awesome to shop there. It Mm -hmm. was cool to hang out there. And, uh, yeah, I, there's, there's no words. I'm going to be at a lack of words a lot during this podcast and I'm usually not short on words, but that was one of those places where it's just, words don't do it justice it was amazing yeah they were so nice to us too like you know we we spent a bunch of time there and they were really kind of inviting and we were just going through a lot of stuff together and it was really nice to be able to hang out as well 
you know it, it was it was re- it just wonderful their stock is, is just it continues to amaze me you know like with only a, a I only ever very infrequently glance at the pencil world and I am always astounded by the sheer amount of things <laughs> that happen in with wood pencils especially which I guess is probably exactly what pencil fans say about pens how many things can you really do with a fountain pen yeah. uh, but they've found them all with pencils it's wonderful and there's so many I love like all the little art pieces they have in there too yeah. um, it's wonderful it's just a beautiful place it's, yeah. it is like a real I like that it's new you know and it's fresh it's independent and also Caroline is like the coolest person I may have ever met. Yeah. Like I don't, I can't fully articulate why, but she's just so cool. Yeah. I told Mike, I think it was probably that night, like after we were done. It wasn't right after. It, it was probably later that night while, or in a break some point during the day. I can't even remember the, half the things we've done and when we've done them, but I just looked over at Mike and said about Caroline I said I don't know what it is but you know it when you see it and Caroline has it mm-hmm. like I don't know what it is or how you define it um, but she's got it and you just want to be around her and listen to her and learn from her and you know be a part of whatever she's doing you know like if Caroline says well yes like she didn't even have to like whatever you want Caroline <laughs> yeah, you know like uh it it was uh pretty cool. It was finally great to meet her in person. So uh that was that was wonderful. Definitely a highlight. And it's also like, you know, on that is it's just so fun to see how they're expanding because they got the sticker store now. Yeah. Which I greatly enjoyed. Yeah. Um they have like the, the CW sticker emporium, <laughs> which is just tons and tons of stickers, just stickers everywhere. Um and I got handfuls of them which I was very, very excited about. So I'm, I was, uh, you know, I got picked up a couple of little pencils here and there, like there was some stuff that I bought for Adina. I was like, I think she'll like this, but I went for the stickers. Yeah, I even broke down and got stickers. That yeah. was, uh, I mean, I knew I would, mm-hmm. but I probably got like five packs. How many more stickers or more pencils uh, did you purchase? Um, since I bought one big <laughs> box of pencils, yeah. Um, I don't think that's a fair judgment to make but i did buy several packs of stickers nice so yeah so you know i had my shopping list pre-planned in before the art trip and spoiler alert i pretty much knocked every bit of my shopping list out the park we'll have to say like all like i mean we can talk about some stuff but like all the things we got we would be here for hours frankly i need to do an inventory yeah right because i can't fully remember everything in case you hadn't noticed by now we're all pretty tired yeah at this point um like we are recording this just as the toronto pen show is finished uh, which we'll, we are going to get to of course but so the just trying to re- to remember everything i purchased three days ago or whatever it's just not happening yeah. right now um but we moved on uh from cw to kinokinuya uh which is the japanese bookstore um, in Bryant Park in New York. And Kinokinuya is wonderful because it's in there is about half of the bottom floor of the bookstore 
is dedicated to Japanese stationery, including all of the weird, wonderful, and incredible things that you can find in a Japanese stationery store. Um, and I know, Brad, that you were enamored by some of the stuff that you were finding, including um, finding a page, which I, I many people have sent to you before, including me, where you, <laughs> you, a, a quote of yours is printed and laminated as part of an article next to what was what was it the jet stream no it's next to the gel pen display where the uniball signo dx slash um 151 are located Uh, so yeah there's an article in new yorker magazine yeah tom vanderbilt i believe was the author and he asked for a quote for because he loved the pen and he wanted to hear why like japanese gel pens were such a thing so and Kino Kania had them all. Like, they had things that I hadn't they seen. Had literally all of it. Um, it's all there. We got yelled at for taking pictures. That was cool. Yeah. Did they really yell at you? Yeah. I did not get yelled at. <laughs> they were just like, no pictures. And I, I said, okay. And then just walked around the corner. <laughs> well, you can hide in there pretty well. Yeah. That place was a yeah. little claustrophobic, to be perfectly yeah. honest. What did you think about it, Anna? It was very claustrophobic. It was a little crowded and we were there probably right at lunchtime, which probably made it worse because people were probably out on their lunch break Mm -hmm. shopping as well as tourists. So it got a little where I just got to the point where I was looking at a lot of gel pens and a lot of things that I have to confess. I saw a lot of this stuff while I was traveling in Hong Kong um, and, uh, in China, so at a certain point, I was just sort of was like, mm, "Okay, I'm good." I do when I see selections like that. I do find it difficult to zero in on anything. It's like here's this like sensory overload, and I struggle to like really know. So like they have this entire back wall of notebooks, right? That you guys were looking at. When I see something like that, like literally hundreds of different notebooks. I just have no idea where to even begin. Like, it's too much for me, places like that, I think. Yeah, and it was just, it's packed so tight. Like, I think you were being generous about the size of the stationary space. I think it was probably a quarter max of the bottom floor. The amount of inventory that was in that space was astronomical. Like, when I walked in... And didn't see the area right away, and then and saw the area. I was like, "Oh, this is it. This is what everyone's raving about." But then when I once I got mixed up in that area, they had literally everything crammed into the into a shoebox size space. Yeah, and then you add in forty, fifty people crammed into that space, and and many people with backpacks and messenger bags and stuff. And so you were bumping into people. It was just very crowded yeah. and single threaded aisles for sure. Yeah. And it was, so it was just, it was a little awkward and uncomfortable. And for people like Brad and I, who basically, we basically own a Kino Kanuya at home. <laughs> it was like, yeah, yeah, I got all these gel pens. Like, yeah. can I, can I go now? <laughs> yeah. But it was good. I definitely picked up a few things that I hadn't seen there before or like pens that I knew I like in different colors that I didn't have. So it was absolutely worth going to. Um, oh, totally. Yeah. And don't think we didn't actually buy stuff there because we did. Oh, yeah. yeah we course. we elbowed our way through and we did buy stuff. But Oh, absolutely. You know, absolutely. There's some really cool stuff. If you don't own your own office supply store at home, like it's worth elbowing your way through. Just don't go right at lunchtime. Yeah. 
So it's kind of funny to compare Kinokinuya to where we went next, which was Muji. Because Muji, like their gel pen selection rivals Kinokinuya in how many they have. But it is arranged differently with more space. Mm-hmm. So it was more pleasant to be in that environment, I think. It was completely different, yes. those two spaces. Like, mm-hmm. and Muji's, you know, set up, designed to be that way. That's their thing, you know. Plus it's, aromatherapy. Yes. That was a lot of aromatherapy. They had like That's... 70 different aroma <laughs> balls. I don't know what they're called. What are they called? Uh, I have no idea. What are they? They've those got little, a word. It's I don't not know. Humidifying. I call them steamers. <laughs> no, yeah, the, the, yeah, the, the, the water vapor. Yeah. Diffuser. 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 That's the word I was looking for. Yeah, it, and I, it was were... a, it was a bit much. If you are if you are not a fan, then maybe maybe not the one near Bryant Park. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they didn't have a sample going. They had all of them going. They had them <laughs> all going and all with different scents. So it was like aromatherapy <laughs> overload. <laughs> but once we got past that, you could see this the the stationery was beckoning to you. I was surprised. So the part of the store we were in. I was honestly expecting something bigger. Like you know, there square was, foot wise. There's a downstairs. There was a downstairs. Which is had, where all the clothing and and stuff yeah, is. Yeah, so we didn't make it down there. I was actually surprised in the space that was upstairs how much space the stationery took up. It was a very big part of their business. I didn't realize I knew it was a part of their business and I thought it was maybe like a small part, just like a side. Thing. It was like a front and center, huge display type of thing. From being someone who has a large selection of Muji stores in their town, and just so I know people that, that go there, Muji stationery is one of the things that people go to Muji for, right? Like if, if you have a Muji, it's like, oh, you, you'll go and buy the boxes and you'll buy all the office supplies and you'll buy all the gel pens. Like it, it didn't surprise me and does because every Muji store that I've been to is like that. Like mm-hmm. the stationery takes up a huge part. And this is not just the gel pens, but say like uh, filing solutions and just look like staplers and everything they sell. And so it, it is very consistent with Muji's that I've been to in other parts of the world and in London as well. Like it is a huge part of them. Yeah, so looking at the pen selection they had now, they were always known for their gel pens. They're using uh, Zebra and Pentel white label products as the primary. Um, yeah, because the majority the, of their the stationery clips are all over some of them which, now. Those are two really good choices. They've yeah. always used great choices. I mean, they've used Uniball and Pilot in the past, so they're they're definitely in with all <laughs> with everyone they need to be. Um, so I certainly picked up a bunch of those. And Anna and I, we were like looking at this, the storage. That's what I did not expect. Like I couldn't buy anything because I can't travel with the type of storage systems that they had. I was fascinated by some of their... The storage is one of the other big reasons that people <laughs> yeah. that like Muji go to Muji. Yeah. As soon as Brad saw the like three and four drawer clear acrylic storage that probably most people use for paper, but he looked yeah. at it and he's like... Oh, those would hold pens really nicely. And I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah, that would be a really good way to store mm-hmm. your pens. Yeah, they're like slimline drawers, right? So you can't get too big of a container, but they're like perfect for pen storage. And they're clear. They're clear. So you can see where the pens are. Yep. I was impressed. I was, when I walked into the store, I was like, okay, Muji. And then by the time I was done, I was like, Super impressed. I did kind of have to drag you out 
Yeah. Yeah. That that because like we were on a bit of a time crunch at that point, and we were going to one more store, which is a bit further away. Mm-hmm. And I at that point was having to drag you both away. It's like, come on. I will go. say, Muji does have one problem that caused that is their paper selection is not well defined. It's overwhelming, and you have to hunt very specifically for a thing you're looking for. Okay. Like anytime I wanted to find graph paper in the size or format, I had to really pull out every go to like every individual shelf Uh to find out which one was the one that might be the one for me. And I ended up buying no paper because I was never comfortable with finding the one. It was, um, I think that could be displayed a little bit better. It was overwhelming the paper selection. So then with the help of our New York subway guide, Tiffany Almond of Make Do here on Relay FM, which this whole trip did involve Brad's first subway ride. Brad looked a little bit lost on the subway. He was very cute. So I was excellent in the London tube transit. (laughs) This was much more flying spaghetti monster than I imagined. (laughs) 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 This was like London tube. I could get to point A to point B through points, all points in between very easily. I'm glad I wasn't uh, in control of the maps. There's a little bit more of a learning curve in the New York subway system. Mm -hmm. It, 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 once you get it, it's doable. Yeah, but it is trickier. I find, um, you know, both both systems have their blind spots. Mm-hmm. I will make a stand. You know, we we can maybe talk about Montreal versus New York bagels shortly, but I will make a stand and say that the London tube better system is far superior mm-hmm. to the New York uh, subway system. Yeah. Come at me, New Yorkers. <laughs> so we went to one final store uh, called Goods for the Study. Now. What is goods for the study? Because it seemed like the way it was being described is it was like part of a different store. Like it has two names or something. It's an offshoot of... McNally Jackson. McNally Jackson. And what is McNally Jackson? McNally Jackson is a map company. So Mm -hmm. people might know it as Rand McNally. Okay. Yeah. But then they built this huge store there, which we didn't get to like the, the flagship store that started to carry stationery. Then I think they broke off... Goods yeah. for the study? Yeah, I think... I don't totally know, but it seemed yeah, like that was kind of the story we were getting. It's yeah. related to the McNally Jackson main store, and this was like the stationary part. Yeah, so, so I'm a little, yeah, a little fuzzy on the whole yeah. detail, but I, what I was understanding from other people is that at some point, I think they're going to merge the two. So Goods mm. for the Study and McNally Jackson will become one larger store. Um, that have sort of all of their merchandise. And I think it's probably got more to do with rent than anything. Yeah, because there were two goods for the study. So when we were mapping them, people said, well, one of them's now closed, you know? So we could, it was a recent thing. So we had to go to the one that was still open. Yeah, the one on Mulberry Street is closed now. Yeah. So what I didn't expect is that we were going to walk immediately into my personal aesthetic. Mm. Because that's what we did. Oh, yeah. My gosh. That store was like, it was like stepping into part of my own brain. It was very Mm. peculiar. It was everything I like all laid out in these beautiful ways. It was hipster paradise, I think is probably the nicest way to describe it. It was stunning. Like everything in that store was laid out so incredibly well. I, I loved it in there. From front to back, and this was a large space, like for New York, I felt this was a large retail space. From front to back, they nailed everything. Like, 
the good sometimes you know retail stores will hide the hide some products in the back that aren't like the best sellers they like from the front door all the way to the back wall was like premier products yep. throughout yep i think they hid some moleskine in the back moleskine was in the back but that i'm not was... gonna lie i bought a moleskine pen it was a cool moleskine it pen. was a cool i had never I will, seen this i will give you that yeah but moleskine was in the back left corner and like i was okay with that yeah. <laughs> i didn't look at the paper but i did see a pen that caught my eye <laughs> yeah yeah, they. I mean, to be honest, they had like there was stuff all over, right? Like, and and but it was all laid out in nice ways. It was laid out logically, mm-hmm. you know. There was like uh, you, you kind of walked into greetings cards and random things, right? Like they had those. Um, they had a selection of those note blocks that you could pull away, and they would reveal something, right? They were in like there, a they? topographic shape yeah. or. So they had all little trinkets and kind of gifty items like that. And then they had a bunch of pens on the wall mm-hmm. with these beautiful cabinets that displayed... They were like apothecary cabinets. Yeah, mm-hmm. that displayed a wonderful selection. Like Again, like a very large selection of stuff. And then you kind of moved through into paper and just books. And it was just... Everything was really just... I was very impressed. I was very, very impressed. Um, that That place spoke to me. Uh, I loved it. I didn't expect the um, number of brands that they carried. And like, brands I've never heard of. Yeah. It was, someone did some good work there yeah. in stocking that store. The curation yes. is, yeah. was, was on point. Oh, like, totally. Yeah. I, I have. No, it's one of those things where like I look at it and I can't even understand, I can't fathom how somebody was able to do that. Yeah, uh, but it was. I was very, very impressed with that place. I, I liked it a lot. I really did. It was beautiful. The, the crazy thing is, I don't think any of us really bought a whole lot. I think we were all so blown away with just yeah. the level of curation. We were all just like, mm-hmm. I, I don't even know where to start. Yeah. Like you guys have all just you you blew the bell curve. We right. are, we go, we're just walking I, away. I needed about four times more time. Yeah, than we had to spend in that store to like fully get my head around what I was looking at. Mm-hmm. Like I know that that would be a place that if I lived in New York, I would just go to for no reason. Like would just be like, I'm just going to go see what's good for the study. So if you are in and around New York, I, I personally, I recommend CW and goods for the study is like from our trip. Oh, yeah. They are the two that you should 100% Make sure that you go to mm. if you're just looking to browse, you know, like I think that they were really great for that. I mean, every, all of the places that we mentioned are great for specific purchases, but those two were just nice environments to be in and really to just peruse and mm. find something that maybe you hadn't considered before. Yep. I, it, was, it was fantastic. That was a hidden gem, even though. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not really tiny. It was. But again, really both, of, both stores, both of those stores, they're out of the, they're off the beaten path a little bit. Yeah, you know, like Kinokanuya and Muji are in Bryant Park, which is yeah. a block away from Times Square, right? right. Like, you know, they're, they're in and amongst it, whilst these others are more making it happen yep. type places. So they are in newer retail environments, which mm-hmm. are hidden somewhere in amongst <laughs> apartment buildings and yes. stuff like that. So that was New York. Um, and then we got on a plane and came over to Toronto, Canada, 
which we'll talk about after I thank our sponsor of this episode, which is Blue Apron. You can skip meal planning and get straight to cooking with Blue Apron. It doesn't matter if you're looking for quick and easy meals or for a full culinary cooking experience. You can choose from a range of recipes bursting with flavor, and Blue Apron will deliver fresh, seasonally inspired ingredients with step-by-step recipes right to your door. You can get rid of your grocery list and let Blue Apron do the meal prep for you and cook, and you'll be able to cook incredible meals in as little as 20 minutes. You can get out of your cooking rut and experience the joy of chef-designed recipes with restaurant-quality meals like stir-fried sweet chili chicken with broccoli and rice, or what about seared beef dumplings and jasmine rice with sesame garlic bok choy salad? I've been traveling for two weeks, dying for a home-cooked meal. Like, I read stuff like this, it's like, I know, I remember why I like to cook, because I can control the whole thing. And that is what is so wonderful about a service like Blue Apron is that you will get these incredible fresh ingredients sent to your home. You can prepare them, you can cook them, and you can eat them. And there is nothing like a good home-cooked meal. And food in all of these places that we've been to is wonderful, but they are not a good home-cooked meal. And so I I will say I miss it, and this, this ad is making me want to go home <laughs> <laughs> you can check out this week's menu and get three meals for free at blueapron.com slash pen addict that is blueapron.com slash pen addict to get your first three meals for free blue apron a better way to cook so we arrived in toronto on friday and we decided that we would visit one store here um, before our second in-store event, which happened on Saturday before the Toronto Pen Show, and that is Lay Wines. Uh, Brad, can you enlighten me to why specifically Lay Wines? Like, what is what is this store all about? So over the years, you know, you get to see all your friends traveling to different places and hitting up pen shops, and I've always heard, you know, the name Lay Wines, you know, it stands out as a name you that kind of sticks in your head. It's not a very generic name or anything like that. And in Toronto, it was and has been always the place like in the downtown area, you know, where you would imagine kind of like a fountain pen hospital would have that, you know, level of respect and name recognition in the area. Well, Laywines is that store for Toronto, even though it's much more newer and much more modern. So, I I had no idea what to expect when we went there and we strolled up and I got outside of the store and, you know, just the picture I painted in my head was, I thought it would be bigger. Like it's big, it's plenty big, but I, you know, looking at pictures and hearing all people talk about it. But once we got in and got to browse around and got to talk to the employees there. Once again, it like exceeded any like picture I had painted in my head. It was a fantastic, fantastic shop that I see why it's got that name recognition in town and, you know, starting to to spread around the world even more. I thought it was just wonderful. I I had a friend um who lives out in California who when I told her that I was coming to Toronto said Oh, you have to go to Lay Wines. She's like, "Would you like me to call them and give and pr- pr- provide you an an introduction?" I said, "No, no, 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 no. It's okay." <laughs> I said, "I said we're we're just we're just gonna sneak in." Yeah, yeah. I really liked the store. It was stuffier than some of the other places that we went to. If you were going to write a 
book representation of what a pen store would look like. Um, you know, you, would, you will write late ones. It yeah. Is, that everyone was super nice, but everything was really quiet. Mm. Right. It was like formal. It, yeah. Formal is a really good way to describe it, but it was just that made it very different to all of the other places we've been to. Because Fountain Pen Hospital, you felt like you were walking into a family business. You know, everyone was loud and like super welcoming and like they want you, you know, come on in, you know. And then the other places that we went to were like cool or they were parts of a bigger business. And it, you mm -hmm. kind of felt like you were walking into a corporate monolith. And Laywine's was just like, shh, kind of when you walk in, you know, like it was very calm and quiet and very well lit and there was lot it was very everything was really nicely arranged and all the staff were very nicely dressed they were all incredibly polite it was like the most like hello sir kind of pen store i could have imagined and this is not a criticism it's just that's the style that they were going for the the flip side was that when someone else came in they immediately we're like, hello, David. Yeah. And so like they know their customers. Oh, I there were multiple people that came in where we, we were there, not there for very long. And it was like everyone knew who they needed to see, both the customer and the 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 people in the store. They all were like immediately going to each other. It was like, oh, you've come for your order that you've come to collect. Or mm -hmm. like, oh, welcome back. You know, that kind of thing. It, it was very... So and we may that, have, that relationship yeah. is is fitting of the style of store that they've created, yeah. right? So we may have caught them off guard because we came in and they did not know who we were, and we immediately started looking around and we seemed to know something about fountain pens. So they were like, "Wait, these are fountain pen shoppers, but they." Uh, we've never seen them before. Yeah. And so I think we maybe confused them or like, wait, they, they've they never shopped in our store before. Like we... People in the store started saying our names. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think it was a little bit strange. But they were as well, though, the most knowledgeable sales representatives oh, absolutely. of any store that I maybe have ever been to. They all really knew their stuff. Yeah. You know, and... like I was throwing some stuff out there and they and like they knew everything. Yeah. And what was funny was once they heard somebody in the shop call out your name uh because as soon as we walked in Jacqueline was in the store and she was like Brad Doughty and then <laughs> I think the the the, the shop a staff was like who is this person um <laughs> so then um I think they all immediately like somebody in the shop must have started googling because <laughs> after we were in there for about 10 or 15 minutes I was standing talking to one of the shop uh, staff and they sort of I think it dawned on them that that there might have been they might maybe have who are these people yeah. and I and they finally it was like hmm and I finally said did you figure out who he was and they're like yes we know who he is now <laughs> so someone googled who Brad was that's too funny so it's like you know and you know to them I'm no, they shouldn't know who I am like they are like they are the perfect big city store that has a customer book. Yep. Right? They know their market. Their market knows them. And it's a fine-tuned, well-oiled machine. Right? It was like a perfect shop for their location and their clientele. And they had the store selection of brands that backed that up. Right. Right? Like having that 
level of service that they provide to people means that they can carry effectively anything right because they have people that they know that will will buy it and i think kind of you know i've mentioned all these places having great selections of stuff i think for a a breadth of selection in just purely pens Mm -hmm. lay wines had the best selection that i've seen yeah over this trip there are other places that had altogether more stuff a wider wider variations in certain things but lay wines had the the biggest selection the broadest selection of fountain pens of anywhere that i've seen on this trip it was it really was kind of breathtaking what what they had mm. yeah right yeah i'll take fountain pen hospital in that argument yeah um yeah i felt they had a little bit more but Laywines took that and refined it a little bit. Yeah, I think that might be what I'm going for. Like it was maybe in, in the specialized category. Mm-hmm. Laywines have more because Fountain Pen Hospital have more brands. Yeah, but they were going for I think a more general feel. Sure. Where Laywines was kind of going across some spectrums, that, sort of curated. Yeah, curated is a better way to put it. So it made it feel to me like oh, they have everything. Yes. Yeah. But they had. Less stuff, but maybe more brands, different kind of price points and stuff like that. But it was a that was a great store. It was fantastic. Yeah. Bought things there too. Of course you did. Yeah. Did you buy something in every store? Yeah, you did, didn't you? Yes. Yeah, yeah I didn't. Yeah. Maybe just a couple. Anna, you. There's every one store. place where every I store? didn't. Yep. Okay. There's one place where I didn't make a purchase. Which one? We haven't talked about it yet. Okay. Wonder Pens? No. No. Okay. Oh, Toronto Pen Show. Oh, Yeah. You did yes, no, you did buy stuff. I bought it for you. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I bought ink. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, one depends. So this is our second in store event. One depends are just amazing. Yeah, so Liz is another one of those people that I was dying to meet in person after knowing them online for what seems like forever. They've been around for five years. Can you believe that? I didn't realize it was that long. Yeah, me neither. It feels like three at the most yeah so well, were they because i remember we spoke about them a long time ago mm-hmm. right so my whole reason for following them was one it's somewhere i'm not familiar with being toronto two putting forth an aesthetic that i love that's different than what a traditional pen shop what may or may not carry and three the way liz handled the business as someone who essentially myself runs their own business i get a lot of insight from how other people run theirs and the things she was doing and the words she was saying were like really resonating to me from like a business perspective so i was dying to get there And I just want to say that Liz is like a five foot tall whirling dervish of amazement. She four foot ten. Four ten. (laughs) (laughs) I was being generous. She, she, as far as I'm concerned, she's a seven foot tall superhero. Absolutely, because she is. She is like literally Superwoman, and I came away even more. I had it. I had uh, I had Liz built up big in my head oh, before totally. she 
she blew those thoughts like she just kicked them right out of my skull like physically like she pushed me on the ground kicked me in the head said listen up brad i am way better than you think i am i was like okay no i'm just kidding she'd be mad at i'm saying that but no she i told her like you know one of the reasons i wanted to come on this trip was to meet and and see her in action holy cow they both she and john are absolute angels as are all of the people that i met that worked at both of their locations oh absolutely like they were just so nice and welcoming and helpful just really great people like everyone that works there. and i mean I can only imagine that if you have people like Lizard John at the top, like they're just gonna have, they're gonna invite basically nice people around them, and I think that that is definitely the case, right? Oh, absolutely, and they're cut. Cu- I mean, every customer that we talk to who yep. comes into the store um, are completely loyal to Lizard John and the shop. Yep, you know they were they're they're thrilled to be able to, to come into the store and shop, and they were so excited about their new location. Um, because, you know, they were, they were talking about how much bigger the space is, um, and that it, you know, it's, oh, it's so much brighter and there's so much more light and, you know, I mean, Liz and John were talking about, you know, it was bittersweet having to change locations. Um, but you know, there were good things about their new space as well. Um, it's, you know, it's bigger, it's more light, um, and they've done beautiful things with the space, um. It was just, it was a fun, just a fun space to be in. and Yeah, so they put out a um, for us amongst their community that we'd be there for like a certain amount of time, like a one to five event mm-hmm. in on Saturday afternoon before the show. And that event, you know, I didn't know what to expect. We don't no. know what to expect on any of these things. This is all new adventures for all of us. Like how many people know who we are yeah. in Toronto or care? Right. And like Liz was like super sweating it. She's, I talked to her tonight and, you know, just as we were saying our goodbyes and she said, you know, I was really worried about the event and I was there, you know, getting ready for the event in like 12, 1230 on Saturday in our shops, normally a busy time. And she said, and it was dead. And she said, then one o'clock came. And I realized why it was dead because everyone, everyone was, was holding waiting. off. <laughs> <laughs> like she was super worried. Like, is no one going to show up? Like I've ruined this, you know, I'm a failure. And it was just, people were waiting it to was. come during that time window. It was packed. So I'm super tired today. I'm super tired today because yesterday was madness. Yeah. It was amazing. Like I think all of us, just spent like four hours just talking to people and hanging out and answering questions. And I learned a bunch of stuff about Canada, which was amazing. <laughs> Do you know that in Canada, milk comes in bags? I did not know that. Yeah. And you buy like a jug and you cut the corner of the bag off and that's how you, that's how milk is consumed. I also learned that uh, this all started. I learned a lot of Canada <laughs> facts because um, I was told that Canadian money smells like maple syrup. No one will change my American money for Canadian money, so I do not know this. Right? It doesn't. This is an urban legend. <laughs> wow. And then uh, this started a whole chain of things. Can I tell people that American money smells like mint, so they'll switch money with me? Sure. Okay. Because I was uh, stopped from sniffing money, basically, <laughs> is what happened. And then it started this long, massive chain of things that are w- wonderful and unique to Canada, which was really great. 
Um, and yeah, it was it was amazing. It was a really really wonderful fun afternoon. I got to meet a bunch of wonderful listeners of uh, this show and other Relay FM shows as well. Um, people that I've been speaking to online for years um, who got to come out, which is a wonderful and very nice surprise for me to meet some of these people. It was really, really great, but it took everything I have away from me <laughs> in energy. Um, but it, I, I, it was all because of the environment that, that One Depends had set up for us. It was it was magic. It was wonderful. It was really, really great. Yeah, they've definitely built a community, not just they a have. store. They have. Um, so, you know, I was just endlessly impressed with John and Liz and the staff. And, of course, the kids. Uh, oh, they're, their kids they're are amazing. Adorable. Oh, yeah. They're the best. So, they are the best. Uh, we had all kinds of food and drink and All right, just Montreal bagels, Brad. <laughs> all right. Um, so our friend Mikey brought us some Montreal bagels. Yeah, so I was – I told Mikey – that after I like, I didn't get in hardly enough to get my jacket and bag off before Mikey was shoving the Montreal bagel in my hand, and he'd already gotten you <laughs> before he'd even gotten to me. I told him after I was done that I was willing to go on record as the Montreal bagel is the best bagel on the planet. And I will stand by that. And, you know, I'm sure that will cause problems just like any of our any of our side adventures do, whether it's hamburger joint or whatever you want to do, uh, pizza style. Um, I'm I'm going to throw down that gauntlet and I'm going to shove all my chips in on Montreal bagels. Okay. And that's that's it. OK, uh, I really, really enjoyed the Montreal bagel. And that's that. I am so disappointed that I don't even get to play in this game because I didn't even know that the Montreal Bagels came into Wonder Pens. Yeah. Didn't see them. There was a whole tray of them at one point. Yep. Brad ate them all, though, I think. No. Pretty much. No. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it as a bagel. It's different. I I wouldn't want to say one is better than the other. You know, I I wouldn't want to play that game. Mm. I wish you the best of luck. You already played the Subway game. I feel like the Subway game is is less contentious than the bagel <laughs> game because New Yorkers don't like their Subway system, Fair. right? Right. They love their bagels. Yes. All right. So, well, good luck mm-hmm. to you. I Thank suppose. you. All right. So the the that was wonderful. The the, the in store event at Wonder Pens was wonderful, um, and then we had the Toronto Pen Show. The one thing that was really stood out to me from spending so the Toronto Pen Show was a one day show. Pretty much completely, not entirely, but pretty much completely Canadian um, exhibitors. Yes, and we can maybe get into why if you if you want to talk about that. Sure. But one of the one of the things that was really surprising to me is every single person I spoke to said how small it was, or how much smaller it must be to the American shows that we're used to, and I can only assume this is like part of the Canadian temperament. Mm-hmm. Of like, oh, but we're you know we're so happy you're here, but this surely you know come on, we're just like you know oh don't worry like this kind of like the same thing that feeds into the apologies like they were most apologizing for the fact that they brought us out to this tiny show. The Toronto Pen Show is as at least as big as the Atlanta show, right? And pretty much any show I've been to except for DC, like mm-hmm. 
size-wise, exhibitor-wise, it is as big as basically any of them, unless it's a show that stands out for some specific reason, like DC is being I the would, biggest. I would probably say like comparable to Colorado, to St. Louis, to yeah, maybe I, I Baltimore. Put, I threw Baltimore or, as like my closest comparison. Triangle. Mm-hmm. It's bigger than Triangle. It yeah. is a more than compare. Like it is yeah. a definite show. You can come and add a tons of variety. Mm-hmm. One of the things that it did not have, the only big difference to me was there were not as many independent pen makers at this show as I have seen at other shows. Um, my expectation is just because the U.S. landmass gives more opportunity for there to be many more companies and they will travel within the U.S. to the other shows. So you have the entire country of America at your disposal with any of these shows where Canada is smaller and they had some there were definitely some but not as many and there were more kind of felt comparable in vintage like there's about as much vintage as i see at any other show and then there were some like seeing like wonder pens and lay wines they had their tables and stuff and they were really big and and well stocked and stuff like that i didn't see a single fishing vest there were no fishing vests no fishing vests in canada just down down vest oh it's a good thing okay yeah yeah all down vests though no fishing yeah. vests so. no because it's cold here yeah um but so on that point about like the size and the exhibit and makeup yeah Brad, so you were not selling anything here no so i was not selling anything here and to cut to that chase i think i could make a one day not co event in toronto feasible from what I saw today. That's different to what you were saying before you went to the store. 100%. To the show. Because before you were saying, one day is not enough time if I'm going to make the trip, like to cover and the expenses you want to be able, because the expenses are mostly the same. The biggest expenses are the flight. Right. The flight's the same, right? Whether you're going for a one day show or a two day show. It just costs what it costs. So you would want to do two where most, even like three days to make sure you're maximizing the amount of money that you can bring in. Mm-hmm. And a one-day show, you get like a half or a third, in theory, opportunity to make money. Right. So this is what you were saying beforehand, kind of when people were asking you about like, why aren't you selling anything? Mm-hmm. So what has changed now that you've seen it? Like, what what did you see today? The amount of people and the size of the show. There's not one person I talked to before the show that didn't undersell it. Like I'm almost mad at them. Yeah, everyone <laughs> is like, under, like you need to Toronto underst- is doing a bad job of, of pitching its show to the world. Yeah, yeah. You need to understand where this show lies in the grand scheme of things. And outside of DC and San Francisco, this is right there with any other show I've yeah. ever been to as far as size scope. Yeah. It's um, smaller than Dallas, but I mean, yeah, yeah it's definitely plays it with all of the mid tier shows. Yep. I bet they might draw more people in Dallas. Oh, absolutely. No, Dallas yeah, is a big show. Maybe not. Yeah. Dallas is a good show. But you know, my point stands and I even chastised, you know, jokingly one of, you know, the friends we made, you know, uh Sim who was, you know, part of the volunteer group and he was hitting me up today. He was like, So what do you think? You know, what do you what do you think about our little show? I'm like, I it's, said what I just said to y'all. I said, not one person has has given me an accurate representation of what this show is. Not no. one person knows where this show is. He's like, okay, so maybe it's a medium show. That's what I got him to. Okay. <laughs> yes. They're definitely humble. Yeah. yeah. The Torontans. Yeah. Toron- Torontans? Torontonians? Tor- That's what I'm Torontonians going with. Yeah. are humble. They're very, very humble. Yeah. But this show is definitely comparable to any 
mid-sized American show. Without question. And like I was like chastising him and the best I could get him to was medium. <laughs> and I was essentially like, yelling I, I at him. I would say that for like a lot of, if you are an independent maker like you uh-huh. or like many of the pens that we know, this is actually a very good opportunity. Yeah. Oh. Potentially. Because you would be in a minority so you would maybe stand out a little bit more right. in this oh. show. And they would, I mean, they, the the Torontonians and all of this running it would like lose their mind if someone like Jonathan Brooks came up here to sell his pens or mm. any any maker of of that caliber yeah. that was making hand turned resin pens like that would well you can see it in the reception they've given us oh totally right? like they're so excited that we've made this trip to their little show and we're not little- like <laughs> you know we're not contributing anything more than just being there yeah right and you know, they like laid out the red carpet for us. So I can only imagine how excited they would be like if Brad was to bring Knock to the show. But so do you think then, even with a one day show, like you could turn enough of a profit that it would make it worth it for you? Yes. They from, would lay out those maple scented bills. From what I this crowd was intense. Um, we rolled, the show opened at 10. We were rolled in at 10.05, mm-hmm. 10.10. All I saw was heads. I yeah, couldn't see table. It looked like it, the sto- that it had been open for two hours. Yeah. It looked like it looked like Friday morning at most of the shows anywhere in the U.S. Yeah. That Friday morning then, like, frenzy that you see yeah. in Atlanta, in um, Dallas, in I mean any of the shows where people All are like day yeah long yeah. like yeah that what you see at a Franklin Christoph table at Friday morning at. 10 a.m. Like, exactly. Yeah, that's what it looked like. So we were mostly stationed at the Wonder Pens table because it it was really busy. Mm-hmm. And as we were bumping into people, we were kind of holding up the corridors. So we kind <laughs> of found our way to the Wonder Pens table. There was a line from 10 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. That was the first time it broke. This was a line to just get to the table. I've never seen that before. Like for that length of time at a for a table that is for a store that is 10 minutes away from the venue right so it's like they just want to support the people that are doing the thing it's wild like Mm -hmm. it, it was really i've never seen this kind of support that it seems like the people want to, and one, I think one of the big differences is it's free. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that makes a big difference. It allowed, and everyone that I spoke to, all of the people that were involved in the organizing, they were so proud of the fact that their show is free because it allows them to bring people in and they can spend all of their money on stuff, right? They're not paying like $5 that they could use somewhere inside. They're not giving to the vendor and i'm sure that it means that they have a good deal with the library which allows them to do this because i would assume that it's not being run at a, a, a loss to the people organizing it but that kind of mentality i think is really great and like this everyone seems super focused on trying to make sure that this show was enabling the future that's ever so i kept hearing this like we want to get people in now so they can see this and start to get excited. So then in 20 years, they have much more money to spend. And it was really heartwarming to see that kind of focus put on the show. It, 
it was wonderful. It really was really just a great environment. It was a big open space. They had every single table was full. I have no yeah. complaints. So I had a couple of recurring themes. One, at the Wonderpins event, a lot of people there were going to their first pin show. Yeah. And traveled to get here, which brings me to point number two, which I think is even more important is that so many people today said they're here because this is Canada's only pen show. Yeah. They, it was Repeatedly. like, we want to support this. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, people were traveling hours and flights and, you know, booking hotels to be here for what our good friend Carrie at Kenro Industries dubbed six-hour scriptus. This thing is open for six hours on a Sunday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., it was nuts. Like people from all over the country were making it a point to be here for this show because this is their one chance a year to see all these people under one roof. So, so put like if you to say that to put that into perspective, people are taking tomorrow off work for this, right? I spoke right. to a bunch of people that are doing that. It means that much to someone from Calgary that they will travel in, stay in a hotel, stay with a friend take Monday off work so they can come to a six hour pen show. Mm -hmm. Like that is super different. Yeah. Where like I've been to pen shows where like, Oh, it's raining today. So no one's going to come. Right. Yeah. Sunday in, in Atlanta, if it's raining, people bail. They don't come to day three because man, never mind, It's raining. Yep. But yeah, people really make a commitment. I did also. It's been t- raining here too, but it, it didn't was, matter. It, it was it rained all day, and that yep. did not stop a single person from nope. coming. Nope. Um, I I actually talked to several people who came in all the way from Buffalo, New York. Yeah, they were too. really willing to cross international lines to come to the show because for them it was the closest pen show. Mm-hmm. They're like, yep, I'll come to Canada to come to a pen show. I mean, well, we came to Canada to come to a pen <laughs> show. But yeah, they were super excited to come to Toronto to come to a pen show. So, and they said, you know, this was a big deal for them too. You know, they love to come up here for a show. So I thought that was really cool. I'm really pleased we did this. Yeah, I am too. Um, you know, it was uh, eye-opening from the jump. Yep. And it never stopped. Which is like one of our goals, right? We want to see these new things, learn about these new things, meet new people, try to, you know, enlighten ourselves on these, you know, these ideas that we've had built in over the years in our market and the things we have experience with and see what these new experiences are and, you know, have our minds changed You know, willingly, you know, it's like, please mold my little clay brain, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, teach me your ways, Toronto. And it ends up being that way. And it was fascinating Um, from like the moment I got in New York and we got to Fountain Pen Hospital until this show ended. It was my eyes were just constantly opened the whole time. And kind of nothing was what I expected it would be. Yeah. And everything turned out better. Right. Yep. So you guys said you didn't really buy anything at Scriptus, but I did actually buy a couple of things um, that really surprised me. Oh, yeah? Um, And one of the things I bought was some folded nibs that were made here. Oh, nice. um, From And I wish I could remember his name. I will look it up and make sure that we get the information in the notes. Um, 
but he particularly made folded nibs small enough to fit into sample ink bottles, uh, which was epic. Genius. Because usually, that is such a smart thing to I do. I know. And I, that was, well, I was like, I'm sold. How many, <laughs> like, how many designs do you have? Yes, I'll take them all. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, they were um, wonderful. And then he also had um, larger designs. And he had one that was called a three-way folded nib, where depending on whether you use the top, the side, or the end, you would get different results. And I looked at it and then never made it back over to his table because just things got crazy busy and mm-hmm. everything. But yeah. I found that was like, again, not things that I normally find at other pen shows and not something that I was expecting to find here with someone who is hand making folded nibs and then making folded nibs specifically designed to be small enough to fit into sample ink files. Yeah. Which I thought was really cool. The mix of vendors was really good. Like we talked about, there weren't necessarily a lot of pen makers that we're used to in the U.S. that are, you know, you know, making acrylic or rushi pens, you know, like Jonathan or Woodshed or Edison, even, you know, those type of makers weren't here. But there were a lot of just individuals selling either vintage or doing pen repairs or... You know, there were a lot of uh, wood turn pens and handmade pens, and there were a lot of art companies here with a more artistic focus. You know, there were a lot of bookbinders, sketching, who were, yeah, binding, and, and they were cool. specifically making um, handmade books for that had like Tomoe River paper in them. Mm-hmm. Um, some had leather covers. Some had um, very in the far back corner. They were making sketchbooks. Mm-hmm. Um, with uh, hand-drawn covers on them, and then they had samples um, that they had actually drawn in. Mm-hmm. And it was almost, I had more fun looking at the drawings that they had done yeah. because they were fantastic. Yeah. And there were but multiple they, artists. Yeah, there were tons of artists. And so that was really interesting, and that was one of the things someone um, uh, stopped and asked me. Like, you know, they kept asking me, how is this different than American shows? Yeah. And I said, you know, one of the things particularly was m- a lot more handmade books. Yeah. Um, and that's not something because because usually we have vendors like Anderson and Van Ness that have that bring, you know, Rodia and Leuchterm and things like that. So having vendors that are selling handmade books is um, I don't know. It just seems to be less common. Like San Francisco had several handmade book binders, but usually there might be one. Yeah. In this case, I saw at least four different. Handmade oh, books, easily. At least. Yeah. Which I thought was really cool. I walked past one of the tables and it was a, a woman selling her books. And she just said, I was unhappy with what I found in the world, so I made my own. And I was like, yeah, you did. <laughs> right on. So you mentioned exact- I didn't buy anything. I didn't buy anything at Scriptus because the day before at Wonderpens, I bought another sailor. And just <laughs> decided I couldn't keep doing this to myself. Because there was a sailor that I wanted to see Scriptus, but purposefully didn't go look at it. So I can't keep doing it. <laughs> um, I bought uh, a 1911 highlighter pen. We've come with highlighter ink. Yeah. Which is super cool. It's a great color. Yeah. Why didn't you buy anything? Um, Because I bought everything before. Like, because <laughs> I bought something the day before yep. and the day before that and yep. the day before that. So I had a shopping list for all of these places that I knew where we were going to go. Mm-hmm. And I executed my list perfectly. <laughs> I got everything that was on the list like that began with like CW pencils 
and a lot of things that were not on the list at place like I didn't have a list for Kino Kaniya. That's a place you don't have a list. You just go figure out like I, I have knows, all the Japanese yeah. stuff. What Japanese stuff don't I have? So if you if you had a list, you wouldn't know where to find any. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> um. So by the, and then you know Wonder Pens, I had a list. I got the things I wanted there. And so by the time I got to the pen show, I was like super content with the things I'd picked up along the way. So I got the ink. Uh, thanks yeah, to Anna. Yeah, we all got the ink. Thank you, Anna. You're welcome. Yeah, she so waited in line for us. Two KWZ inks, uh, Northern Twilight and Maple Red. Yeah, sold out uh, quickly as they quickly. anticipated. And so, yeah, I didn't have any particulars that by the time I got here that I was looking for. So, you know, I walked around and, you know, browsed and, you know, did some window shopping. But, you know, I was uh, content with where I was at. I didn't need one more thing. So, yeah, I'm I'm super happy with how I, I rounded out the trip from a shopping perspective by not actually going overboard today. So as we mentioned, we recorded this uh, immediately after the pen show, so a few days. So once the time this comes out, we'll all, well, I'll be on my way back home. You guys will be back home again. Mm -hmm. And then I I guess this is, is this our last pen show for the year? Yes. Yes. Yeah? Yeah. So I'm starting my next year early in Philadelphia, which is earlier than ever before, which at this point is only about two and a half months away. But yeah, this is it for the year. And Are so you vending there? I am vending there. Okay. First time visit and first time visiting vending there. So yes, knock will be in Philadelphia. So again, this was all thanks to our Kickstarter backers. So thank you so much to everyone that has uh, donated their their time and their money and their efforts into helping us get here. My understanding from Brad is that we're ever so close to finishing up yeah so by the time i get home i should have most of the remaining tallulahs at my house waiting for me or at least uh arriving this week so hopefully by next week i'll have good news that everyone's order has been fulfilled or back a reward has been shipped from the kickstarter campaign so thank Excellent. you for your patience with that yeah you are you're all very very patient very kind um you'll have our uh video out with you very shortly if not already and I'll say that we've got 2019 on the way. Yeah. Planning. I think we don't want to say anything yet. Yeah, way too soon. We think that we've got our idea set, which is very unlikely for us to have it set so far in advance. But I think we're finally getting this yeah. under control. So I think all I will say is another new city yes. for the Kickstarter campaign is what we're yeah. doing next time. But we have some fun stuff built around all of that. So. Mm -hmm. More to share uh, sooner than we all think it will be, as is usual. Yeah. Right? Where it's like, whoop, better get that started. Yep. yep. <laughs> it's February. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Pen Addict. Thank you so much to Blue Apron for their support of this episode. If you want to find our show notes, you can go to relay.fm slash penaddict slash 332. Um, if you want to find Brad online, you can go to twitch.tv slash penaddict. Penaddict.com, knock.co, Dowdyism on Twitter, Penaddict on Instagram. You can go and find Anna's work. She is well, APPT Desk on Twitter and Instagram, right? Yes. And you can go to wellappointeddesk.com. Uh, 
Anna's great products, the coloring products, are all available from wellappointeddesk.com too. Mm-hmm. And your favorite retailers. They're all the rage. And your favorite retailers. Because I was going to say, I keep seeing them popping up. It was funny today. I was standing right in front of them on one of the pens table. And people are like, oh, what a good idea. I'm like, yes, it is a good idea. Nicely, <laughs> nicely spotted. Uh, and you can find me online. You can follow me on Instagram. I am imike, I-M-Y-K-E. And we'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Brad and Anna. Goodbye, Brad and Anna. Fun.